Everybody's saying that they want more satisfying friendships, but they think the answer is just finding better people to be friends with. And while that might be the case in some situations, what if the lack that we're experiencing in our friendship landscape is because of our own harmful habits or limiting beliefs? I am hosting our third annual Be a Better Friend Challenge from January 8th through January 28th. And it's designed to answer this question. So here's how it works. Every single day for 21 days, I will send you a specific tangible thing that you can do to develop into a good friend. Each action item that I give you is grounded in the research. And to prove it, I even share a link to the specific study that I'm referring to. So if you're looking to be more intentional about your female friendships in 2024, but you honestly don't really know where you'd start, I really hope that you'll join us. And to encourage you to do so, through January 1st, enjoy 50% off of the challenge with code BABF2024. That stands for Be a Better Friend 2024. You can learn more about the challenge at betterfemalefriendships.com slash challenge. I hope to see you over there. If you had it your way, you'd be open to grabbing coffee or drinks with anyone who asks. And because of that attitude, you created a pretty broad social network. But lately, you feel overwhelmed, overextended, and confused about who to give your time to. You've been pretty go with the flow, but in the new year, you want to really put some thought into figuring out exactly which friendships to invest in. Because it does require work. Texting, planning, coordinating, calling, holding space, showing up. How do you know which friendships are worth it? Introducing Nina Badson. She's a writer and host of the show, Dear Nina, Conversations About Friendship. And this woman receives so many anonymous letters from listeners each year that I knew she was the perfect person to join me to talk about how to know who to pursue when you're being intentional about your friendship journey. So if that is a question that's been top of mind for you, stick around for my conversation with Nina. Welcome to the Friend Forward Podcast, powered by BetterFemaleFriendships.com. I'm Danielle Byer-Jackson, a friendship coach, educator, and author of the upcoming book, Fighting for Our Friendships. And it's my job to share the science of women's conflict and connection. So when it comes to the joys, complexities, and misconceptions surrounding these kinds of relationships, I am here to help you through it. Okay, Nina, I am so excited to have you as a guest on the Friend Forward podcast. Thank you so much, Danielle. I can't believe we are finally talking in person. (laughs) I've been following you on social media. I admire your TikToks. I'm like your old friend you didn't know you had. (laughs) So I'm so glad to be connected with you with a huge reach and you do such a great job with your videos. Well, I'm excited because today we're talking about how to really hone in on your people. So you have existing friendships, but trying to figure out, okay, who do I pursue more intentionally? Who do I prioritize because I have limited time with all the other demands of my life? How do I really know who's worth investing in, who's reciprocating, and who to keep top of mind? I first want to talk to you about pursuing, how to know who to pursue. What insights do you have for the person who's like, I have friendships. There are women maybe I'm more curious about than others, but I don't really know if I'm feeling the same vibe as she's feeling with me. And do I really you know, push to have more momentum in this particular relationship. What do you typically advise to women who find themselves in that space? 
The very first thing, and it seems really obvious, you're going to laugh at how obvious it is. You should be friends with people you like. And Mm -hmm. that's actually kind of profound, even though it seems the most obvious. People get really mired up in so many shoulds. Like, you know, we live close, so we should be friends or we work together, so we should be friends. Like, no, you should be friends and make time for and prioritize the people you actually like. And what does it mean to like somebody? You feel good around them. You look forward to the plan. Like if you see it on your calendar, you're not like, ugh. I know actually it's in a post-COVID time and even pre-COVID, all of us can get a little bit bogged down at the idea of going out at night. It can be hard for any variety of reasons. You got to push yourself you know, to get out even when you don't feel like it. But if it's less about like the effort of going out is annoying, fine, that might be the case even if you really like the person, but you shouldn't feel like you dread spending time with the person. I know that's obvious. But how many people, I mean, you talk to also are spending time with people that drain them. So Mm. that's the first. Mm -mm. I mean, I get letters, Danielle. You know, I have this friend. She's always making digs at me. She's always putting me down, stuff like that. And I'm like, why are we friends with people we don't like? (laughs) And it's funny because you're right. It's so simple. But I know that women are listening right now like, "Mm, well, if I'm being honest, so-and-so who's been pursuing me, if I'm honest, I don't really enjoy her company. And I don't know what is behind that. I don't know if it's a fear of loneliness. We feel like, well, you know, she's the only one in my orbit. And so I'd rather have her than nothing. I don't know if we're just trying to build our network. So we feel like we've got some semblance of connection. I don't know what that is that makes us tolerate people who belittle us or they seem kind of standoffish or they have an attitude of like, I can take you or leave you. Or to your point, we simply don't feel good around them. And so I'm so glad that you started with that because it's so important. It is. And I think sometimes we stay in those friendships. I know I've done it because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. Like it's coming from a good place. And so you just prolong like, well, if I don't reciprocate, then that's going to hurt their feelings. And then all of a sudden, 20 years go by, it really can happen. And you're like, wait, I've spent my whole adult life with people. I, they're fine, but like, maybe they're not your favorite people and life is too short. Another thing I wanted to talk about, and this is an older book, it's worth just hearing the points in it. It's from 2011, and it's called Click, C-L-I-C-K, and it's by two brothers named Ori and Ram Brafman. And they pulled out five things that make people click, five things that account for chemistry. I'm going to tell you what they are. One is similarity. I think that's probably the first thing that we like about people is that they're a little bit like us around the same age, have similar interests, maybe similar background. And that's real. And it happens. And I think we all talk about making an effort to be friends with people who aren't exactly like you. And that's important too. But probably the first place to start an obvious place is, okay, we have all these things in common. So that's number one. Vulnerability is number two. So what makes us like a person is that they've opened up and it makes us feel safe to open up. So those are the friends I think worth prioritizing, the ones who can open up. I am a big proponent of the casual friendship and I believe it's important, but you also really do need to prioritize people you can be your full self with. Number three is a huge one and it's proximity. So you can have wonderful people you have great chemistry with that you really want to prioritize who live far away. And far away doesn't just mean a different city. It can mean a 45 minute car ride because of traffic or a couple train stops if you're like in a city. That does factor in. You can have amazing chemistry. This person can be the best, most vulnerable. They do anything for you. But if they live 45 minutes away, it doesn't really lend itself to the best person to prioritize, which is kind of harsh to say, but it's reality. I'm all about practical, real friendship. And in our busy lives, it's hard to meet for dinner when they live 10 minutes away. 
Mm-hmm. So when you add that commute, that's hard. Number four, they called resonance. Resonance. That's like, I sound a word I use in real life. Mm-hmm. That one is the hardest to explain. It is kind of the magic of chemistry. It just feels good. And then the final one is safe place, different than vulnerability. It's like first year of college is a safe place. That's when everybody's in the mindset to be open to friends, to make time for friends. That's what we're doing first year of college. It's hard to replicate that. But there are other times. I just read in the New York Times a piece in the magazine by Katie Weaver. It was all about millennials signing up for trips where you go alone. So you're purposely going alone with the purpose of making friends. And you might have been quoted in that. Were you quoted oh, in I that? Think I, yeah, I was about to say that sounds familiar. <laughs> you're quoted in so many of them, which is great. But the idea, that's another example of safe place where everyone's going there with the goal of making friends and therefore they're open to it. So that's slightly a combination of who's worth pursuing and, and how to make friends in the first place. But I think it speaks to who's worth pursuing because especially like proximity, vulnerability, I wouldn't prioritize a friend who cannot open up. Yeah, totally. And it's hard when we do go from, oh, we have these similarities. Okay, cool, because it's fun and talk about the things I like with other people. But I think it's when we begin to long for more, when we begin to inevitably grow curious about the person we're chatting with. What about you? Can you relate to me? I want to share this thing with you. And I hope that you share it with me. And I know for women, especially that self-disclosure does become one way that we establish and negotiate trust. And so I've heard many women who are like, I mean, I'm opening up. She doesn't tell me anything. And it becomes a a trust thing. We wonder, do you not trust me? Do you not like me? And so, yeah, I totally understand the function of being vulnerable and open for creating depth in a friendship. And the biggest point of my own that I talk about a lot that I think is something that all your listeners should have in mind when they're trying to figure out which friendships to prioritize is reciprocity. Mm-hmm. It's a major topic, but it, I think of it differently than some people might think. I would say reasonable reciprocity. So most people are horrendous at reaching out. And the more people that would accept that, the less people would feel bad about their friendships. I'm a great reach outer, if I may say so. But I'm not great at other things in friendship. And that's just a strength of mine is I have no problem. I don't keep track. I have no problem being like, okay, every time we walk, I'm the one who reaches out. That's fine. I consider it reciprocity if the person says yes, right. or if they don't say yes, they say, I can't today, but how about tomorrow? Or how about next week? That is to be equal. It doesn't matter that I reached out first. As long as you say yes. People fight me on this. They say, well, I'm going to see what happens if I never reach out. And I say, you're probably not going to be friends anymore. That mm-hmm. is probably what's going to happen. Or you'll be friends like in theory, but you won't see each other. And then they'll say, well, then we're not really friends. And, and I think that's a mistake. I think you are friends as long as the person reaches back. That's what I call it, like reaching back. There's reaching out and there's reaching back. And as long as you feel that the person is reaching back consistently, I consider that reciprocity. Do you find that people come at you with this one? They do. Oh, if I had to rank like the top three things I hear, reciprocity is an issue. I'm loving that illustration you just made is, do they reach back? And that is just so powerful. And you're right. That is an unpopular opinion because we like the comforting idea of, well, everything should be even. Everything should be 50-50. And I was speaking with a therapist, Amanda White. She runs a popular Instagram, Therapy for Women. And what she said in one of our interviews was that in most relationships, especially friendships, one person is doing more. 
And that's just the way that it goes. And I know that, you know, maybe that makes us uncomfortable because we don't want to feel like we're getting taken advantage of. We don't want to feel foolish by believing that we're more invested than the other person. And I think to some extent, we all want to be desired and pursued even platonically. So it kind of messes with that. But I have found that maybe you can enjoy more satisfaction in your friendship if you look at things the way that you just outlined. Maybe I'm the initiator in this group. And yeah, sometimes I want to be pursued too, because that feels good. But when I do reach out, are people like, heck yeah, name the time and place. I'm down. Let's do it. And when we get together, it's a great time. And they're attentive and they listen. And you know, all those things can account for something. So I'm not dismissing that desire to feel pursued and that your friends, you know, find you desirable and they yearn for your company when you're away. But could you enjoy more satisfaction if you found a way to count the people who, in your words, reach back? Exactly. And you said something so important that I wanted to bring up as well is people are reciprocal in other ways. So they may not be good at texting first, but they're Mm -hmm. great listeners, like you said, or they remember things you said and bring it up the next time you're together. You know, how are things with your dad or how are like they bring up that is reciprocity of genuine affection. It may Mm -hmm. not be reciprocity of being the first person who texts, but if you can let it in that they are reciprocating their desire for friendship with you in other ways, it really would count for a lot. And like I said, I'm a great reach outer. I'll tell you what I'm not great at. I will never, ever offer to drive you to the airport. I'm just not going to do it. And if you ask me, I will say yes. I'm going to be a little annoyed because you know what? I took an Uber last time I went to the airport. I just sort of feel like I take care of myself on that. But this is a good example where some people are really, really thoughtful on that kind of stuff. Like once in a blue moon, I do have a friend who will say, hey, do you need a ride to the airport? And I'm so taken aback. I'm like, that is so thoughtful. I'm not going to say yes because I'm not driving you to the airport. I'll just say it. So so no, and also never ask me. (laughs) Yeah. So finishing up the reciprocity thing, I think we're both, you know, agreeing to look for other ways people reciprocal. It doesn't have to just mirror the way we do friendships. So as long Mm -hmm. as they reach out and make us feel good in other ways. However, you do have to know if you're not feeling any reciprocity, Yeah. then I would move on. I really would. So it doesn't matter if they never text first, as long as they say yes and all that, like we said. But if they also never say yes, you're done. You're not like having a big breakup over it. You're just, if our topic here is who are we prioritizing, we're just prioritizing someone else. I would say it that way. It's a shift in your focus. And who are we focusing? We're focusing on people we like, Mm -hmm. people who are conveniently located, probably who are vulnerable enough and make us feel like there's a sense of depth to this friendship. And just reviewing the things we've said, because I think those are the main takeaways if, if you're trying to figure that out. Totally, totally. And I think that's kind of like a nice little checklist for us to kind of keep in mind because we, especially women, because of how the balance domestically tends to fall of domestic labor and all those things, but we have so much going on where we're really focused on our careers. Some of us child rearing. We are, you know, doing the mental labor of so many things, maybe more things in comparison to our partners. So it becomes increasingly important that we have some sense of focus on how we're spending time with friends who we're making time for, who we're opening up to, and being kind of strategic about it, which feels foreign because many of us have believed the lie for so long that friendship should just be natural. It should just happen when you know, you know. And so then something like this, where we're saying, actually sit down and think about who those top three women would be, feels very technical, but it might be that technical approach that we need to have a little bit of clarity. Yeah. 
final point I want to make, Danielle, is I'm sure you've seen the same study and I can't remember who did it, but this idea that our friendships change every seven years. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it's not like a big blow up of your whole social life, but I really feel like the sense is if you really think about the top three people that you're texting with, sending memes to, asking to go on walks and mm-hmm. spend time with, the top three people today are probably not the same three people seven years ago. Some people move. People have different priorities that come up in their life. And I would be open to that is all and not feel bogged down and sad about it, but just kind of be open to it. Like, okay, maybe it's a natural shakeup time. And who do I want to now prioritize? Yeah, totally. Are there any other insights you have for a woman who's trying to figure out who's worth pursuing or mistakes that you hear all the time about that dilemma? I would say a mistake people make is feeling like it's too late. Like I've been living in this town for five years, 10 years, whatever it is. This is who I hang out with now. It is really never too late to make new friends and to put someone else in those top spots. People are talking a lot now, which is wonderful, about social fitness, like Mm -hmm. that muscle that you have to keep working on. I think you do have to keep working on it. And you want to keep being open to new people. I think it would be a mistake to always feel like your slots are full and to not Mm -hmm. be open to new people and to keep working on that, to keep working on being aware of who you click with. Because you might click with new kinds of people. I really feel like I never stop making friends, which can be stressful time-wise, but I don't know. I just, I like people and I actually don't consider myself an extrovert, but I like people a lot. And I like to know different kinds of people because I feel like it brings out different parts of me. So if I were closed for shop, you know, at all times, I, I don't think I'd grow as a person. Yeah, totally. I love that. This is a good little working checklist for us to keep in mind when we find that we are saying things like, I don't have time for friends and and I'm having stress when I do hang out with my friends. I think if women find themselves talking like that more, I don't have time for friends or sometimes, you know, friends exhaust me. Who are the people you've been prioritizing and how has that been working out for you? Because I wonder if that would eliminate a lot of that stress and confusion. So I'm so grateful for kind of like this checklist that you've provided us. I so appreciate you lending your voice to this conversation and for you sharing the experience that you've acquired in this space for so long with our audience. So thank you for being here. All right, ladies, as your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. This is the part of the episode where I give you something tangible and actionable to bring some real life developments into your current friendships. And the most obvious exercise here would be to have you think of a current friend in your life and measure her against some of these traits that Nina provided during the episode. And I do think you should do that. But I'm also going to ask you to brainstorm a list of women who are not your closest friends, who are just kind of maybe loosely in your social circle. And I want you to weigh some of them against this kind of criteria. The reason is because I want you to take note of whether there are women in your life who maybe you have not been prioritizing. Maybe she's not even really on the radar. But when you zoom out a little bit and you see if things are reciprocal and there's a certain chemistry and you know you really like her, If maybe you realize, God, I should be prioritizing her. She always comes through for me. We have a good time when we're together. There's, you know, this reciprocity that I appreciate. I really enjoy your company. And I've been overlooking her for whatever reason. Are there women in the margins of our lives who, when we think about things kind of objectively and logistically, we realize maybe we should be pouring into a little bit more? If that is an exercise you work through and you have an aha moment, you know I want to hear about it. Come tell me all about it on Instagram at friendforward, or you can visit us 24-7 
at betterfemalefriendships.com. Until then, I'll be right here rooting for you always on your ongoing journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.